Our gospel reading this morning is from the book of Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know when you sometimes have memories or things that just bring you back all of a sudden to a different time and a different place? I have... uh, we have some, I had some surprise visitors in worship this morning, people uh, that knew me when I was just a baby pastor. Some of you may think I'm a baby pastor now, but I used to be really a baby pastor. I was uh, just uh, 25 or 26 years old or something when I moved in next to neighbor Bollingers. Wave your hands, neighbor Bollingers. Uh, <laughs> they, they were members at the Ventura Church, the first church that I served as an associate pastor when I was but a child, and um, they were not only members of the church, they were my next-door neighbors. The parsonage was right behind their house, and so I passed them on my way into my driveway and on my way out of my driveway, and um, I just called them lovingly neighbor bowlingers, and so it is fun to have neighbor bowlingers here, but suddenly I'm feeling like a baby pastor again. (laughs) I will be the first to tell you that I know very little about boats and about lakes, and our passage today takes place all on a boat and on a lake. I am an ocean girl, I grew up here in Southern California, so this is the, the water situation that I am more accustomed to and familiar with. When I was pretty small, my father had a sailboat, just a little sailboat, and we would go out sailing. Uh, every few weekends, and um, I was really good on the sailing part uh, up to the point that we went around the buoy and saw the seals and the sea lions. Uh, That was my favorite part. And then if we went any far beyond that, I was seasick and not a happy sailor. And uh, the dogs were always right at the front of the mast, kind of taking in the air and having their titanic moment. But uh, I I was kind of lying down on the little seats, feeling kind of nauseated. I don't know much about sailing, and I don't know much about lakes. A few years ago, I was visiting a friend in Georgia with Nikki, and Nikki was pretty small at the time, and we went to go spend a day at a lake in Georgia. The beach is a long way. I mean, 
to me, I'm a Californian, you know that the beach involves an ocean, not a lake. But anyway, they call it a, a beach when you're at a lake. Uh, whatever. So I was at a, we went to go visit a, a lake and we sat by that beach all day long and it was, it was lovely. We had stopped on the way and packed a picnic and got a, like a 99 cent raft, you know, just to play around with in the water. And then all of a sudden, a sunny day, almost within about two minutes, turned into a very windy day. And everything got whipped up, and we were very quickly trying to, to pack things down and batten things so that we didn't lose everything all over the lake and the beach. And our little 99-cent raft was, was floating, uh, flying out into the lake. And I, being the overconfident swimmer, started swimming out to, the, to try to catch the raft when it occurred to me that this raft costs 99 cents. And, and this is not really worth my life. But it was a lesson for me in lakes. Lakes are different than oceans. That, that kind of stuff doesn't usually happen on an ocean. But in a lake, they have their own weather system. And things can shift very, very quickly. Now, Jesus and his disciples were much more familiar with boats and with fishing and with lakes because that was their livelihood. Jesus grew up on the Sea of Galilee, which uh, is a lake in the middle of modern Israel. It's about 13 miles long and about 8 miles wide. It's a pretty good-sized lake. But on that one side of the lake is Galilee, was Galilee. On the other side of the, the lake was kind of foreign land. These folks were not Jewish. They were not of, of the same people. And so to travel over to the other side of the lake was really to cross a border. It was to cross a boundary. It was to go into a place where people were unclean. And they would not necessarily be welcomed. And so Jesus casually tells his disciples, hey, let's go to the other side of the lake. This place of foreigners and unclean situations. And no doubt the disciples had cause for concern, for sure. Borders, as we all know, can be scary places. And you probably know this story well. I told it briefly to the kids and it was just read to you that as they are making their way across the Sea of Galilee, this storm comes up. The boat is tossed to and fro. The disciples panic, as they often do. They awake Jesus. Get up, get up, get up. And Jesus gets up and very calmly rebukes the water, rebukes the wind, calms the sea, and then turns to the disciples and said, What are you afraid of? You of little faith. There is a lot going on in this little passage. It is certainly a passage about crossing boundaries, going into places that we are uncomfortable and fearful. It is about facing those fears. It is about knowing that in the middle of all of those fears, Jesus is there calming the waters. It is about this intersection between faith and fear. The world in which we live can be a scary place, both 
internally and externally. We live in a world of a great amount of chaos and fear, too many storms to even name, the storms of illnesses, depression, broken relationships, uncertainties and injustices. Suffering abounds. And I have some bad news for you. Our faith does little to shelter us from the storms of the world. If the disciples thought they were getting on board the boat with Jesus and everything would be peachy, keen, and smooth sailing, it wasn't. It never has been. To get into this boat with Jesus is to know that it will be a challenge. To have faith in Christ does not sort of excuse us from the suffering of the world, does not sort of set us aside in some little cocoon where nothing can harm us. But rather, it is to enter into this relationship in which we know that whatever comes our way, Christ will be with us. When we get into the boat with Jesus, we know that we will be changed. We know that our worldview will be challenged. We know when we get into the boat with Jesus that he's going to call us out into foreign land to border territory that we would rather not be. We know that Jesus is going to push us beyond ourselves. And sure enough, boy, if you continue reading the next chapters of Mark, boy, they get there and sure enough, they are greeted by a man with demons. And it's that whole crazy story about the demons being sent into the pigs and out to the sea. The foreign land is a scary place. I mean, if the disciples were scared before they got on the boat with Jesus, If they were still fearful after he calmed the storm, as soon as they landed on that shore, holy cow, things got crazy in the foreign land. But then there's the good news, that Jesus is with them, that Jesus calms the storms in our lives, not just the external storms. I've not ever had an experience where I saw, you know, wind and waves come to a halt But I've known what it's like internally to feel Christ calming me in the midst of my fears, to know what it is to to know Christ in the midst of all that happens in our lives. I have this this hand cross that somebody uh, gave me years ago. It is, um, it looks like this, and it's meant to fit very comfortably in your hand. It's all smooth-edged, and it's a very comfortable thing to hold on to. And they gave it to me in the midst of a rough time in my life, just as a reminder to hold on to Christ in the midst of it, because we can forget. The disciples forgot who they had on board, didn't they? We can forget that Christ is with us. And so I I held on to this cross. I still keep it on my desk. I often am holding on to it when I'm having a, a difficult conversation with somebody, when I know I'm going to a hospital call or some situation that I know is going to be difficult, I hold on to this cross. In my previous church, one of my previous churches, I had a a youth in our church. Her name was Reggie. And Reggie was diagnosed with a, a very advanced stage of cancer when she was 15. And Reggie fought a brave and beautiful, beautiful battle with cancer. Unfortunately, in her case, she did not make it. But I had given Reggie this cross um, 
I don't know, one of her stays in the City of Hope. And she held on to it for months, for months. Reggie was holding this cross. I don't know if she was holding it when she died or not, but I know that it was at her bedside. And it was given back to me. Reggie knew, even in her death, that Christ was with her. She was okay with dying because she knew that no matter what, that in every storm that she had already faced, Christ had been with her and that Christ would continue to be with her. The church is often symbolized by a boat. Many of you have probably been in churches that look like upside-down boats. Have you seen that where they kind of look like this, like the hull of a boat? The symbol of the World Council of Churches is a boat with the, the mast as a cross. It is a symbol of the church in the world, not a symbol of the church safe, safely tucked in a harbor somewhere, not a symbol of a church that is uh, in, a, in a tomb, hidden in an upper room, locked in fear, but rather the image of the church is one that goes out into the world, that risks the brave and uncertain waters, a church that knows that no matter what happens, God is with us as a whole and as an individual, as individuals. You know that in the church, we call that area out there that some people would call a lobby, we call it a narthex, and we call this area that some people would call a stage, we call it a chancel. And the area where that you're sitting, you know what we call that? The nave. It, it is the same Latin root word that we think of as navy or navigate. It is the word for the boat, that we are in this boat together, that as a church we are called out into the waters, scary as they may be, daunting as they may be, called into unfamiliar lands and unfamiliar places, not because we are immune to the storm and not because we know that nothing bad will happen out there, bad things happen out there all the time, but because we know that Christ is with us. And so we are in a safe vessel, no matter what happens. Christ says to us, peace, be still. The church sits always at that intersection of faith and fear, calling us beyond ourselves. We live in a world right now of tremendous fear, tremendous anxiety just floating everywhere we go. And the fears are real. The fears are real. If you are a border family, the fears are very, very real. And yet we hold on to this faith, knowing that no matter what happens, Christ will be with us. Christ will be with the border families. Christ will be with this church, with Riviera, with every church, with every place that we go. We hold on to Christ, knowing that we are in a safe ship. doesn't mean that things will go well, but it means that Christ will be with us and will move us beyond our fears, 
beyond our anxieties and into the place of a deep peace. We don't say this casually. We don't sort of throw it off. Oh, you've got cancer, that's too bad, but Christ will be with you. Oh, that terrible thing has happened to your family. Oh, that's, that's awful, but Christ is with you. No, we hold on to it as an anchor and a support because we know that Christ holds us in that way and calls us. If our fear is holding us back, if our fear is keeping us from acting with compassion or mercy or justice, God sends us out on that boat anyway and says, go on out. The world needs you right now. The foreign land is is more important right now. So go and let's get on that boat. Let's try out our faith. We're not going alone. We've got this beautiful boat and we're in it together. But Christ goes with us, calling us to peace, to certainty, and to knowing that God is with us. As I was thinking about the storms, I, there, there is a, a creed of the church that always comes to mind for me. A creed that reminds us that God is with us no matter what. And so I want to ask you to, to join me in this creed in your hymnals. It's number 883. Those of you that don't know, the back of our hymnal has this lovely selection of, of great creeds of the church. Um, always a source of, of guidance and comfort. Join me, if you would, in this creed. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who is, has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make do who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus, crucified and risen, our judge and our hope, in life, in death, in life beyond death. God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. It is that last passage that I find myself repeating over and over and over again in life and in death and in life beyond death. God is with us, and we are not alone. Thanks be to God.